0: Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop Podcast. It's our weekly look at uh, the local college basketball scene and a little national as well. This is Kevin McNamara here at the Journal with Bill Koch. Uh, Bill, it's uh, crunch time here in college basketball land and uh, we're going to start... First of all, hello Bill. Nice nice to have you as usual. Hello Kevin. Great to be here. Um, it's a uh, mixed Thursday morning here in Providence. Uh, the Friars have shown a little life. With two really good, really good wins, top 15 RPI wins over Butler and Xavier. And the, the Rhode Island Rams, well, we'll get to the Rhode Island Rams in about uh, 3, 4, 5 minutes. But we'll start with the Friars, who are coming off a 75-63 win over Xavier. And it's interesting, Bill, because they played Butler and Xavier at home, back-to-back after beginning the Big E season with Xavier and Butler on the road in something that I know you saw, and it seems like it happened three months ago. And I guess that's how the college basketball world can can change over, over the
1: course of a season. Yeah, two totally different teams on that floor last night. Uh, Xavier obviously has been hit by the injury bug here. Edmund Sumner, the point guard, is out for the year with a torn ACL on his left knee. Uh, and Trevon Blewett didn't play last night with an ankle injury. Uh, Blewett was the guy who drove Xavier in the first matchup, uh, which they won very comfortably. Uh, scoring at the offensive end, and he kept Rodney Bullock, you know, completely out of his game at at, uh, at his own offensive end. Um, but Providence is a different team, and, and there's no question about that. You know, six seven weeks later, uh, totally different team, uh, much more confident team. Uh, as Ed Cooley said after the game last night, feels like they've defined their roles much better than than at the start of Big East play, and you know now it's starting to show a little bit here on the court. It is, and uh, you know, I give the Friars an awful lot of credit. I, I was talking with a few people
0: after the game, and you know, some of the other teams in the Big East right now are clearly beat up, like Xavier, with injuries, or just have kind of stagnated, or if not, gone back a li- backwards a little bit because that's what can happen in February. You know, these teams scout each other so well with with the computer breakdown, scoutings, and it's home and home in the Big East, so you know the teams really well. And while Providence is clearly getting better, and and starting to make a move, other teams have flatlined, and that's when you have to take advantage.
1: Yeah, Xavier did a lot of their early, uh, a lot of their work early. Um, you know, it would take a, a catastrophe for, the, for them to miss the NCAA tournament, considering the way they started the season. Um, you know, but they are struggling right now. And Providence ran into them at the exact right time. Um, you know, you, you would expect a team starting a freshman point guard to struggle handling the ball. Xavier committed seventeen turnovers in that game last night. Only had ten assists. Uh, You know, and Providence, you know, continues to get contributions from a lot of different people. Uh, They had four (laughs) players in double figures last night, and we saw Isaiah Jackson give them 10 points off the bench. And it seems like we've sort of had a rotating cast of players off the bench who might be able to give Providence something on a given night. Last night it was Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Previously in the win at Marquette, it was Ryan Fizikas. Uh, Now they're using Emmett Hold as a sixth man who, you know, will give them a, a good amount of value coming off. Uh, and Malik White, who's you know a freshman, starting to find his game a little bit as he grows and, and plays more college basketball here.
0: Yeah, uh, Malik was, was one of his better games last night, especially in the second half uh, when he teamed with Kyron Cartwright, who, you know, um, as the season goes on, Bill, it's pretty clear that the key player for the Friars is not Rodney Bullock, who's the leading scorer. It's Kyron Cartwright. And Chris Mack, the Xavier coach, uh, talked about this both before and after the game. He said, Cartwright's speed is what uh, is Providence's defining trait. And when you can keep them out of transition and right under wraps, uh, they're just an ordinary team. But when he gets going and, and the Friars go in transition and can score in bunches, what happens is what you saw the last two games. In the second half of the Butler, uh, a win over Butler, uh, Providence scored 48 points. And in the second half of the Xavier game, they scored 46. Now, the first half of both games, the offense was really bad, and you can probably just look back and see how opposing defenses limited Cartwright. But in the second half, you know, if the Friars can score anywhere close
1: to that, they're going to be a difficult team to deal with coming down the stretch. Well, they only credited Providence with eight fast break points last night, but 18 off turnovers, uh, which I think is a, a really big number. And I also think back to you know, maybe the start of the Big East schedule. Kyron Cartwright was battling a little bit of a knee problem, had tendinitis. Uh, you know, looks a much healthier player now, uh, much more confident player. Um, you know, and as you know, Kevin, you, you've seen a lot of basketball over the years. When guys aren't feeling good, it affects the way they play. It affects their aggression, I think, more than anything else. You know, they could still go out there, they can give you minutes, they can give you some sort of contribution, but they're not going to give you special things like finishing at the rim or getting out on a three on two or. You know, maybe guarding your guy 10% harder, and and I think, you know, as Kyron has gotten healthier here, I think we've started to see those things that made him the player that Ed Cooley built at the start of the year is potentially the most improved in the entire league. And uh, you know, again, his
0: number one trait is his speed. So any kind of leg injury certainly uh, robs some of his of his best quality. Uh, and now he has another week to to uh, get even more healthy because. Providence doesn't play. This is their second bye, and it uh, comes at a pretty good time because Friars face a really big test, an important test, at Creighton, not till next Wednesday. Creighton has a big game on Sunday, I believe, when they host Georgetown, so they're not even going to start worrying about Providence until next Monday. So, you know, again, win over Butler, win over Xavier. If they could ever go out on the
1: road and take Creighton, that, that could be a game-changing victory there. Creighton's another team that's completely different from the first time Providence played them. Uh, Mo Watson out for the year, another torn ACL. It's, it's the year of torn ACLs in college basketball, unfortunately. It's, it's been sad to see so many marquee players go down. Um, you saw Creighton, when they came into the dunk earlier this year, 78-64 win. Uh, you know, I would argue that aside from Villanova, they're the best team that Providence played to that point. Uh, looked outstanding. Justin Patton is... Maybe Virginia, but you're right. You know, Justin Patton is, yep. is uh, you know, played like a lottery pick in that game. Um, you know, and, and this is a another instance, much like against Xavier last night, where Providence is playing a team at the exact right time, both for them and considering the state that their opponent is in. Yeah, you know, the, the flip is that You wish that uh, this game was at home uh, instead of
0: going out there, but obviously when Creighton was at full strength, uh, that was here in Providence early in the year when Providence just wasn't as good as they are now. Um, Creighton is coming off last night, uh, Wednesday night, they lost in a very close game at Seton Hall. So this is not the same Blue Jay team. That said, I believe they're 17 or 18 in the RPI. It would be another real marquee victory for Providence, which you know, two weeks ago we we wouldn't link the letters NCAA with Providence, but uh, they're turning the corner. It'll be interesting to see how they can finish. And again, the the game I thought last night's game was a was a game changer for Providence. But uh, this time of year, with each win, the stakes just re, uh, re, you know keep
1: rising. Well, the Big East, outside of that top four, is has set pod, They've set out to sort of cannibalize themselves a little bit here. Um, you know, you look at just this group. Of teams, one game apart, St. John's, Marquette, Seton Hall, Providence, and Georgetown—who—who who are all just banging heads against each other—and you know, if if this breaks wrong for the conference, they might only end up with four bids. Right. Uh, if it breaks right for the conference, and two of those teams are able to pull away, you could end up with six. That's the quality in the league in terms of the metrics, the RPI, and you know, just the eye test. Frankly, um, you know, and Providence right now is in position. To be one of those teams to maybe get to nine and nine or ten and eight and have a chance to, you know, somehow sneak into a fourth NCAA tournament in a row. Yeah, no, the, the the ten and eight would
0: require a sweep, and I, I think that would all well, but lock up a bid. Uh, but nine and nine is probably the more realistic goal for Providence, and uh, the route's not easy. You know, the road games are both Creighton, which we've talked about, and then at Saint John's, a really dangerous team, especially at Madison Square Garden, where. Uh, seems as if the freshman guards Marcus Lavette and Shemari Pons they can't wait to get on the stage and yeah. and fire away. You know they're probably the most dangerous offensive team in the league, and why they have six wins that thus far. When they defend a tiny bit, they can play with anybody. But well, that doesn't
1: always happen. Last night, Butler put
0: 110 on them.
1: I, I was going to say they could score it in bunches, but they can give it up too. Uh, you know we we've seen Butler offensively. They're you know very efficient team, older team. Uh, you know had. Handful of players in double figures last night uh, had players in the 20s, you know, shooting over 50%. Thir- 13 three pointers. Yeah. I, know, I don't think we guarded the line at the Hinkle Fieldhouse well, last night. I don't night. think they guarded anything if they gave up 110 points. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, Providence would have to win a game against St. John's a little different type of way. Uh, you know, we saw previously in the season they played a game where St. John scored in the 90s and Providence scored in the 80s, and that's just not the sort of game that this Friars team is built to win. You said at the start of the year, Kevin, your biggest concern about this Providence team was how they were going to score the ball. And I think going down the stretch, they're much more suited to play these tight, tough games in the 60s if they're going to be able to win. Yep, and uh, hopefully you know, have
0: stretches where the offense pops a little bit. And uh, Again, that did happen in the second half of both the Butler and Xavier game. Uh, we're going to transition now to uh, to Kingston, where, Bill, last night you had the pleasure of watching the Fordham Rams beat the Rhode Island Rams 53-43. to I was at the Providence game constantly looking for updates, and I-, I was just amazed that the offenses of both teams went nowhere, and then I reminded myself that that's what Jeff Neubauer is doing at, uh, at uh, Fordham, you know, a uh, very tough defensive team. That said, uh, this was a this was a new low for uh, for the Rams this year, and really in the Dan Hurley era. Probably, if it wasn't the toughest loss,
1: which probably is reserved for the Davia, I'm sorry, the Dayton game, this was the ugliest loss. Yeah, uh, Dan Hurley in the post game, he said it was the worst home loss that he's had here. Period. Uh, you know, the fewest points that they've scored in 151 games where he's been the head coach. The previous low was 44 at St. Joe's, his first season. Uh, You know, and that was a team that was completely rebuilding. It was a seven-win team. Um, You know, the first time they've lost back-to-back home games since 2013-14. They've been pretty good at the Ryan Center, generally. Uh, You know, but this one was just a shocker in in every way. Uh, You know, they shot 30%, which was their season low. They made two three-pointers, which, you know, tied a season low. They're two for 20 from three. Uh, Second half, three assists and nine turnovers. That's, you know, just not the ratio that... You would expect out of a team that you know is in the top 30 or 40 in terms of, of turnover rate uh, in the nation this year, and offensively, Bill, They just couldn't get anything going. Maybe just relying too much on the jump shot. When you're two for 20 from the three, No, Fordham is just a, a difficult team to play against. They trap you. They pressure you in the half court. Uh, they make you very uncomfortable. As, as Dan said on the conference call uh, on Monday, the 8:10 conference call, they just take you out of any offense that you want to run, uh, and they turn you into freelancers and. <laughs> You know, last night, Rhode Island's guards went three for 16. Jeff Doughton, E.C. Matthews, and Jared Terrell, they each only had one field goal. Um, you know, and, and that's just not the way that you're going to beat any team, much less a team that, that's going to play aggressive defensively. Now, the numbers
0: are grisly. There's no two ways about it. The, the question is, is you know, why did this happen? You know, coming off, I actually thought Rhode Island played pretty well, if you throw out the last 24 seconds of the of the Dayton game, uh, I give Dayton an awful lot of credit with coming into the Ryan Center and winning. They're they're, they're better. Uh, I think they've proven that they're a little better than Rhode Island this year. It's not by a lot, but it's enough where they're probably going to win the Atlantic 10 regular season title. And then the team can go one of two ways. You know, they can play with a, uh, a woe-is-me attitude and a big hangover after a loss like that, or say, okay, we're, we're at home. There's five games left, six games left in the regular season. We have to get it going. And Instead, they come up with such a stinker. It's uh, obviously a major disappointment and a surprise.
1: And I'm sure you sound surprised as well. I was. Uh, you know, Even though this is the second time this has happened, off of both Dayton losses, uh, Rhode Island has come back and lost a home game. The first time, it was against LaSalle, 87-75. Uh, what, we did, what we knew then was that Hassan Martin wasn't playing at 100%. He'd just come back from his quadriceps injury. And Jarvis Garrett wasn't playing at 100%. Uh, you know, with this illness, which we found out last night was ulcerative colitis, uh, something that he's been struggling with, uh, you know, incredibly painful and uh, uncomfortable thing that he's going to have to deal with here going forward. Uh, it was great to see him back out on the court last night, uh, regardless of the result. Um, you know, Jarvis is a great kid. He's, he's the type of kid that you want to root for. Um, you know, but in this game last night, you know, Dan Hurley said we're, we're going to be a lot closer to 100% coming off a loss against Dayton than we were against LaSalle. Uh, and, and it stood to reason that if they wanted to accomplish the things that they set out to accomplish preseason, which was contend for an 8-10 title and, and reach an NCAA tournament for the first time since 1999, beating Fordham was just assumed. It was just part of the deal. Uh, you know, This was just going to be one of 18 games that you'd chalk up and say, Rhode Island's going to win 13, 14 of these in the league, and you know, this was going to have to be one of them, and and I think what we've found out along the way here uh, is that you just can't assume that things are going to happen in college basketball. No, and I think what we've also found out after watching, you know, uh,
0: how many games have we played this year? We've played 25 games. This Rhode Island team it, it is a good team. Uh, they're much improved over last year. You know, they won 17 games last year. They're going to win more this year, but but they're far from a dominant team in a, in a league like the Atlantic 10. It's it's too competitive. You know, they may have, you know, a team that is relying on juniors and seniors, but guess what? They're not a junior and senior group that's, can, is talented enough to dominate the Atlantic 10. You know, uh, even in some of their wins, they've been, you know, competitive wins and uh, enough to the point where they can lose a game to a Fordham, to a LaSalle, you know, the rest of the way, you know, there's no, there's no walks in the park, you know, I think the only team that's really bad in the league is St. Louis, they don't play them again or Correct. Correct. So uh, we have at George Mason, which has proven to be a difficult place to play. At LaSalle. At LaSalle. They've already lost to LaSalle. VCU
1: at v- home. VCU, uh, I think, is the best defensive team in the league uh, at home. And that At St. Joe's, who is wounded, uh, but played VCU in a very tough game earlier this week, lost by 10 with... You know, four players now out for the season, including their starting backcourt on opening night, and then Davidson comes and then in. Then Davidson, and Davidson we know that is a quality program,
0: always difficult. So I think what we're saying, folks, is guess what? They are not going to be an at-large team into the NCAA tournament. They're going to lose some more games between now and the uh, conference tournament in Pittsburgh. Uh, if, obviously, if they can win the conference tournament,
1: they're in the NCAAs, but. I think that's the avenue that, uh, that they have to focus on. Yeah, and I think we, we just find out here just how difficult it is. Uh, you know, how thin the margin for error is uh, for Rhode Island uh, against the A-10. Um, you know, VCU and, and Dayton are better programs. I, I don't think there's any question about that from top to bottom. Whether you start at the administration and you go down through... You know the players; they are better programs. They have proven it on the floor. They've made NCAA tournaments. They're recruiting to NCAA programs. Uh, you know they're going to be better, and it's whether or not Rhode Island can emerge from the rest. Uh, you know, and currently, even though that was predicted at the it's start a, of the it's, year, it's, it's not a fight. happening. It's, it, it's, it's a, a battle, and it, it's just not happening right now. Now, you know, you look at the talent on this team, and you think, could they put it together and win five games in a row? Maybe. Coming off. The Richmond loss. They played five pretty good games in a row. They won four straight, and they lost to Dayton in a game that, you know, they had a, a ninety odd percent chance of winning with twenty five seconds left. Uh, that was a crusher. Um, so they've certainly shown ability on the floor, and and you know, in their individual pieces, they certainly have ability to go forward and, and win more games and, and maybe put a scare into the field in Pittsburgh. Um, but you really wonder what they're going to do at George Mason on Saturday, a team that's surging, that is equal to them now at 8-5, and five, who just blew out Richmond earlier uh, this week, and, and whose fan base looks re-energized under Dave Paulson. Uh, you forget, this was a Final Four team a decade ago. Um, you know, And the type of team that hasn't quite had the success yet in the A-10 that the league was looking for when they added them from the CAA, but it looks like they're starting to climb that ladder a little bit, and, and you could see two programs you know, for this season anyway, headed in opposite directions, playing on Saturday. Now, Bill, i
0: I got to gotta be uh, honest about this. I, I refuse often to uh, deal with the ghetto lifers uh, on message boards and and Twitter feeds and whatnot, because that's just... Well, now, wait a minute now. We're both on Twitter, so you can't say that. Well, but some Twitter feeds are a little crazy. Is that fair to say? Uh, that, look, that's what Twitter can do. I, I've seen yours. You might border on a little crazy. I get a little crazy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I do, too. Fans are emotional, especially after losses. Uh, right. Uh, I saw Jim Beheim the other day, and he had a funny line. He said, you know, Jim Beheim can be funny, although he's old and crotchety. In, in the acerbic way. And he said... Uh, Of course, then he says, you know, he doesn't go on these boards, and then he cites actual verbatim from the boards, and he says, after wins, I get three comments. After losses, I get 3,000. And I think that's fairly uh, routine among all fandoms, and uh, needless to say, the Rhode Island fandom is a little chalky right now, understandably so, after two really difficult home losses. And one theory out there is that the kids, the players are mad, with uh, Dan Hurley, and they've tuned him out, and that's why they played so badly. I, I, I know this group well enough where I find that hard to believe. I just think they're, they're not as good as people thought, and
1: it is what it is. Yeah, I, the, as far as the players tuning out the coach, I don't see any of that. I, I, I think that's a lot of nonsense. Um, you know, if anything, players might be a little too nice on this team. Uh, you know, they have wonderful kids. E.C. Matthews and Hassan Martin are wonderful guys. Um, you know, Jared Terrell's as hard a worker as you're going to find. You know, I already spoke about Jarvis Garrett earlier in this podcast. Uh, you know, Jeff Doughton is, is as high-character a recruit as they could have brought in. Uh, Dean's List student, um, you know, who's played very well here in the Atlantic 10, uh, you know, in Jarvis's place. Right. Um, you know, but this team right now lacks a guy who's going to get in the other 12 guys' faces and say, Come on, fellas, let's pick it up here. You know We're better than this. We should be better than this. We're more talented than this. We beat Cincinnati earlier in the year. We've played Dayton really tight in two games. We have a chance to beat VCU and still do some damage in the A-10 tournament. And I think you're looking for a player, whoever it is, whatever year he is, uh, whatever level of experience he has on this team or level of esteem that he's held in, you're looking for a player to step forward and say, come on, guys. You know, let's let's shock this thing back into a place where it should be. Um, you know, and you're going to be really interested to see if that can happen here over the next five. No question. A uh, little transition here to
0: back uh, north of Brown. Uh, first of all, Bryant tonight has a very big game in the NEC where they will host Robert Morris, a team they've already beaten on the road. Uh, talk with Tim O'Shea, the Bulldog coach, today. He's very happy with where his team Stands. Uh, there was a good student turnout for the last home game uh, that they were fortunate enough to win, and they hope that they can get Robert Morris as well. Uh, Bulldogs still have a chance to be a top-four finish in the NEC with, uh, I believe it's only uh, three weekends or two weekends uh, remaining, so it's getting down down, down the stretch here. Uh, Kenan Naduber has picked up his play recently, uh, the freshman point guard, and uh, we'll see what the Bulldogs can do in the Ivy League. Browns coming off a disappointing 0-2 home weekend. They have another home weekend with the uh, Penn Quakers and Princeton Tigers coming in Friday and Saturday. Uh, Princeton may be the best team in the league. Uh, they're in, in first place right now in the Ivies. Um, very explosive offensively, which is very odd for a Princeton team. But uh, Mitch Henderson has a good group. And um, they, again, will come in to Brown on Saturday night.
1: Well, we we saw Brown uh, beat Penn, that first road swing of the year. Uh, Princeton is a surprise to me, Kevin. And, and I say that because they lost Henry Caruso before the start of the year with a toe injury. Uh, he was an all-Ivy caliber player. And generally, you know, the Ivy League schools can't lose a player that good and still just go on like nothing happened. But Princeton clearly has. There ain't no in the league. Now, no question. And as a matter of fact... I'm actually going to go up this weekend to see
0: Harvard play uh, Columbia on Friday night, and uh, Columbia already owns a win over the Crimson. And uh, the good news with the Ivy League and the coaches can't be happier is that one loss is not uh, devastating a season anymore in that league. The top four will go to a 14-team playoff at the Palestra, which should be a
1: great TV event in March. I saw Brian give Harvard everything they could handle earlier this year in Smithfield. Uh, Harvard's a really nice team and, and an excellent freshman class. Bryce Haken's one of the best players in the league. Um, I think the thing that you'll come away with, Kevin, after watching Harvard is just how big and strong they are. They, they do not look like your prototypical Ivy League team. Big and strong across the front line, athletic guards. Uh, not necessarily the type of team that you would want to see if they're fortunate enough to get through the NCAA tournament. I'm also going to go see Northeastern
0: play on Saturday. South Kingstown's Alex Murphy is uh, senior leader, uh, a senior leader, a senior-plus leader. Yeah, that's uh, right. With his sixth year of eligibility for the Huskies. Uh, would that be senior-plus-plus? Plus-plus. He's been around the block. Yes, um, But uh, the South Kingstown native uh, plays, I believe, the College of Charleston on Saturday, senior day. Senior, senior day, I guess, for Alex. Yes. And uh, looking forward to uh, checking in with with him. And former URI assistant coach Bill Cohen uh, is the uh, head coach of the Huskies. But that's it for the wrap. Uh, Interesting time in college basketball in Rhode Island. Uh, Appreciate everyone listening, and we'll be back next week with more.